Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be talking about the imperative of love tonight, and we want to look at, uh, we want to look at verse 11, and uh, we want to look at um, through verse 15. Actually, we'll look at verse number 10. Uh, I don't know if you can, if you get this working or not, Alex or not, but we'll start back with number 10 if you can do that in, the, in, chapter, in chapter 3. Uh, the Bible says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, who, and murdered his brother. And why, and why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. But whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Talking about, talking about love, talking about understanding the concept of, of, of God's people, of how we are tro- supposed to treat one another. Now, let me preface with what I'm fixing to say, and, and, and we'll move on. I understand the fact, and this is not my argument tonight, and I hope it's not your argument, I understand the fact that every one of us are different. We're made up different. Our emotions are different. Things, you could be watching a movie and it may touch your emotion and you may begin to cry. I can watch the same movie and I may begin to laugh because it doesn't touch me or affect me like it does, like it does you. We can, we, can, we can understand and we can read stories and we can read scripture and we all are affected differently because of who we are and our makeup, okay? But we understand we're together on, a few, on, on, on some things. And the Bible tells us to love one another. The Bible tells us, even though, if, so let's just say, if I don't get along with Keith, and there's some things that rubs me the wrong way, and there's some things that, that rubs him the wrong way for me, but our love for one another as brothers in Christ should remain. Does that make sense? So we've got to understand that when we're talking about love tonight, we, we, we get the fact that we may not always agree with one another. But it should not be to the... To the, to the to the extent that I'm going to hate him simply because I don't agree with him. That makes sense? I can't, I can't allow hate to enter in. I can't allow that uh, from the enemy to come in and take root in my heart and, and bitterness. All kinds of things takes place when, when that happens. When, when bitterness takes place and hate takes place and it's a driving force in our life, there's no way that love can do anything. There's no way that love can blossom. There's no way that love can, can shine forth because we're so blinded by all this other stuff. And I understand the fact that you say, well, Pastor, that ought to be simple and it ought to be primary in our churches today. And you're right, it should, but it's not. And that's, that's, the, that's the, the fallacy of it's not. We allow our emotions and we allow the stuff that we think sometimes, Brother Adam, to interfere with what we know what God's Word says. Knowing all the time, this is what God's Word says, but I choose not to follow that because of how I feel. Look at your neighbor said, that's right. <laughs> and so we can't base everything just simply how I feel. Every day we're going to feel differently. There's some days I'll wake up, I'll wake up at 4.30, 5 o'clock, and I'm, I'm wide awake, and I'm ready to get up and get me a cup of coffee, and I'm ready to go to work. There's other days I don't want to get out of bed 
because of how I feel. I ache, I hurt. My mindset is not right, maybe depending on what's going on the, the next day or that particular day or whatever. So we can't base all of these things on, on our feeling. There was a story about a, about a lawyer's son that dreamed of, in following his dad's footsteps. I want to be a lawyer as well. And so after graduating from college and law school with honors, he returned home to join the firm that his father began and all of that. And he, had a, he, he was in, intent to, to prove himself as a, as a skilled lawyer, as a trustworthy lawyer and attorney and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the first day, he rushed into the father's office and said, Hey, Dad, the Smith case that you always said would go on forever and forever, the one you've been toiling over for over 10 years, in one single day, I took care of it. I've settled this case. I've settled that case, and I've saved the client a fortune. Father looked at him, and he frowned. And he scolded his son, and he said, I did not say that it would go on forever. I said that it could go on forever. In other words, I can build this case as long as we can go because of the potential and all the things that was involved in this thing. He said, did it ever occur to you that week after week that I was, I was, I was billing by the hour and now you've settled everything and take care of it. Now my income stream is gone. Now, I don't know. Every lawyer, I hope, is not that way. But in this story, it was that way. And so we've come to understand, and if you don't know this by now, you'll never understand it, that life is a process. Life is a process. Life is a learning process. Some of it we learn from at home. Some of it we learn at school. Some of it we learn uh, from life in general. But life is a teacher. And sometimes it's a good teacher and sometimes it's a bad teacher. Sometimes it's an uplifting teacher and sometimes it can put you on your knees, right? Because life sometimes is a process. And, uh, and, and we have to learn from those things. Matter of fact, there was, a, there was a man by the name of Mr. Griffin that made this statement. He said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. It's not while you're learning all the other stuff. It's what you, what you learn after you think you know it all. That's what really, really counts. But here's the question that I have. Do we really know it all? Have we ever got to the place where we felt like I, I know everything? There's, there's nothing else to learn. There's nothing else to, to understand. Life, I, I, know, I know all about life. The truth of the matter is that the more you learn, the more you discover that there is more to learn, right? The more I get, the more knowledge I get, the more insight I get on a particular subject or whatever the case, I find, Brother Adam, there's always more to learn about that thing. In James chapter 1, verse 5, or verse 5, the Bible says this, If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God, who gives generously, uh, generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to him. So if you lack something, if you lack wisdom, if you lack knowledge, then ask God. Ask God to give you that. If we, if we lack that understanding, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I recognize the, the need that I have to understand more. I recognize the need, Brother David, of, of understanding what, what wisdom is. I, I recognize I can, I can learn from my peers. I can learn from, from those that's older than me. I can learn from past experiences. I can learn from all kinds of things because life is a teacher in itself. But if I can learn that, if I'll glean from that, if I'll, if I'll have some knowledge about that, Brother Larry, it helps me in my, in, 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 my, in my latter own life, my future in my life. It'll help me e e each and every day. Proverbs tells us that if we train up a child 
in the way that he should go. When he is old, he'll not depart from it. He'll not turn from it. Does that mean that if I teach him all about God, if I bring him to church, that he won't get to the place that he won't, he won't turn away from God? That's not what the Scripture says. He may turn away from God. He may backslide. He may go his own ways. But this is something that you'll do that he will not be able to get away from. He cannot get away from your training. Cannot get away from the teaching. Cannot get away from the prayers. Cannot get away from any of that. Cannot get away from what's been instilled in that young man or that young lady. No matter how far he goes, no matter where he goes, he's still going to have that knowledge of Scripture, of, of, of God, that, 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 that mom or dad or grandparent, whatever, uh, uh, put in his life. And so one way he should go, we know this as God's people, of course, is in the way of the Lord. And, and much of that depends on the examples that they're having today. And, and I'm not trying to get into this, uh, Ashana, tonight, but it, but it is so freshly on my mind, you know, we could use some of that in Blyville. We could use some of that with our children today. We can use some good, godly examples for young people, boys and girls, to look up to. And, I'm, and, and the reason I'm saying that is that we've got to do our part. We must do our part. We've got to do our part to share and give the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody, somebody said one time that secular education can make men clever. And that's true, but it can't make men good. Make them smart, make them intelligent, but it can't make a man good. God has to do that. The love of God has to do that. That's the message. Verse 11 said, that's the message that you've heard from the beginning. God has given us the message, and our part then, we must get it. We've got to receive it. We've got to get it. We've got to listen to it. We've got to allow it to, to, to sink in deep into our hearts and in our minds. And so the Bible said that it's a message from the beginning. It's not something new. We've heard about this. We've talked about this. We've read about this. This is a message from the beginning, the beginning of creation, the gospel, the beginning of our Christian walk, the beginning of our salvation. We've heard about this. There's two things we've heard about. The first thing we've heard about is that we should love people. The second thing we've heard about is we shouldn't love sin. We shouldn't love evil. We should loathe evil. We love people, but we loathe evil. This message, he said, you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should love one another. God loves, and we should love. That's the message that we've heard, and, and you, your testimony is just like mine, that we've heard ever since we've been able to sit in a Sunday school class, ever since we were sitting in a, in a, in a church, ever since we was able to understand what the preacher was saying. I've heard I don't know how many messages, and you have too, that God is love. God is love. God is love. And if, and, if, and if I go through, Brother Paul, my whole Christian experience, and I never get that little statement right there, then I've missed everything. I've missed everything. God is love. We know that. God is love. And we, and we exhibit our love. We exemplify our love for God because of the things that we do. We show kindness to one another. We bless people. We help people. We, we, what God gives us, we turn around and give it to somebody else because we, we are blessed to be a blessing. And that's a part of the love that we have for our people. And so that's the beginning of true love uh, of, that, that for those of us that has Christ uh, living, living in their heart. And this is how we, we've come to know what, what love is. The Bible talks about it that it's an unconditional kind of love. It's an unconditional kind of love. Another story I read this week about a young man found, found the woman of his dreams. 
This is the, this is the one. This, this is the one I'm going to settle down with. And so he tells his mom, he said, hey, I, I, I've, I've, got, I've, I've met the woman of my dreams, and I've asked her to marry me. She's going to be my fiancé and all of that. But, but he, he decided, I want to, I want to make a, a little game out of this thing with mama. I want to see if mom can pick out which girl it is that I want to marry. And so he invites two other women along with his fiancé to the house to see if mom can guess which one he wants to marry. And his mother agrees to the game. So that night he shows up at his mother's house with three beautiful young ladies. They all sit down on the couch. Everybody begins talking. They, they, they get something to drink. They have a nice time of discussion and all of those kind of things. The end of the evening, the young man asked his mom, said, okay, mom, after, after the women left, which one of those women are, am I going to marry? So without any hesitation whatsoever, he, the, his mom said it was the one in the middle. The lady that was sitting in the middle. So, so this, this, this son was, was astounded. He couldn't believe that mom picked out the right one. He said, how in the world did you pick it out? He said, it's easy. It's the one I didn't like. That's the one you want, that's the one you want to marry. Now, whether, whether, whether we like somebody or not, we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to love them. I can relate to that because when we lived in Painburn, there's a little girl, I think I've shared this story before, there's a little girl that I liked, she was, a, she was a pretty little girl, and I wanted to date her, and we was at a ball game, and I don't even remember the girl's name now, but she was short like me, and she's pretty like me, and uh, so I brought her to introduce her to mama, and, and it didn't, it didn't she, the girl didn't say nothing, hardly nothing, and she left, mom said, I don't like her. You don't know her. I know enough. Isn't it amazing how moms, they know these things. Now, what I never told mama is that she was right. I knew a little history of this girl, and she probably wasn't the girl that I needed to be date. But mom read through all of that stuff. She looked through all of that stuff. And it was the one that she didn't like, the one that I wanted to, to go out with. Need to say, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hook up with her. Mama knows best. Mama knows best. And so this mom understood, uh, understood what, what this young man was going through. And so if, if, you know, whether, whether we like them, or, you know, like them or not, we must, we must use the love that God has, has ministered to us to bless other people as well. Uh, so the question asked sometimes, I don't know if you've asked this, asked this before, why, why do we have to love others if we don't like them? You ever asked that before? Why do I got to love them if I don't like them? <laughs> why in the world do I got to love them if I don't like them? Well... When you think about that, think about this. Do you, do you always do things that God likes? Now, if, if, if somebody in here is saying, yeah, that I, we need to hook up and you need to talk to me about how, how you do that. I don't know of anybody that always does everything that God likes, yet he loves us, right? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, so we, know, we know from Scripture that God loves us. Even though there's times that we mess up, even though there's times that we royally blow it, he still loves us. It's almost, it's almost like David in the Old Testament. David was not perfect, but God called him a man after God's own heart. But he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. I mean, that's the same guy that defeated the giant, right? Throw a rock. Uh, with a sling, killed the giant. He said, in, he said to Goliath in 1 Samuel 17 and 45, said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come, you, I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He said, this day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. Now, that's a pretty bold statement from a little guy. 
but he had, a, he had, a, he had a, an assurance that God was going to be with him. He had an assurance that God was going to take... God, David was God's man of the hour. I mean, he was God's... He could do no wrong. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2 and 4 said this, One evening, we all find ourselves in these situations. One evening, the Bible said, David got up from his bed, walked out on the roof from the palace, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent somebody out to, to find out about her. And the man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and she slept with him. Mistake after mistake after mistake. Now, we know the rest of the story. David sinned even more even after that. He arranged to have her husband killed. He arranged to send Uriah to the front line where he knew the battle was hot, where he knew that Uriah would be killed. He did it. He did it. And how could God love such a man like that? How in the world could God love a man after he'd done all that? But yet he did, and he forgave David of his sin. And I've often thought, why is it that we have such a problem understanding the fact that God can't forgive me when I look back in Scripture, and Sister Marilyn, and I see guys like this and characters like this that God forgives, God sets free, and God elevates God doesn't always stay in the past. He elevates, and he puts them on a, on, a, on a field where they need to be. God can do the same for us. God loves us in spite of our wrongdoing. It doesn't mean that we, have, that we don't need to change some things. We need to change some things. We need to learn from our mistakes, but he loves us. He loves us. So we love others by doing good to them and for them. God wants us to love others just because they're human, just because they're his creation. We love them. The good, the bad, the ugly, the young, old, whatever, however you want to give it, whatever kind of description you want to give it, we love them. And as hard as it may be, we must work at loving others because you look at the Scripture, you can take the Scripture from the front cover to the back cover, you can make it, you can sum it up, God's love. God is love. And so we know that God loves us. Verse 14 says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Because anyone who does not love remains in death. Peter said, they will know that we are his disciples because of our love for one another. Because of our love for one another. Now let me get on a little pet peeve. I understand that somebody outside the church sometimes can get on our nerves. We may say hateful things, and we may do hateful things, and all of that, and it doesn't mean it's right. But what really gets me is people inside the church. When we get cross at one another that way, you're supposed to be my brother, I'm supposed to be your brother. We're supposed to be brothers and sisters in the Lord, right? And I'm saying we, can't, we, don't, we, we have to agree, but we must love one another. We must love one another. The second thing the Scripture tells us here, in chapter 3 is that we need to hate evil. We need to loathe evil. He says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. His brothers were, his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one who murdered his brother. Cain, we know the story there. Cain killed his brother. Because as God said, he belonged to the evil one. So how how'd that happen, Pastor? Does a, does a person automatically belong to an evil one who is the enemy? Not, not generally. And I think it probably, if we, was to, if we was to go back and we was given more information, we'd probably understand the fact that gradually 
He got away from God. He got away from God's love. Got away from the understanding. That's exactly what happens to us. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be self-controlled. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Looking for somebody to devour. Now, when I was young and I was growing up and I heard that scripture, uh, Sister Janice, that scared me as a little kid, as a little, you know, somebody, you know, the devil, oh, he's around, he's, I got I to gotta be careful, you know. It was those moments that you don't, you don't want to go in the dark bedroom. You don't want to have the, the light cut, out, cut off on you. It was those moments that I didn't like Daddy leaving me in the woods at nighttime or early of the morning by myself because you never know. That devil may be like a roaring lion, and he's, he's prowling around. That's the thought, the concept that you have. But as you grow older, you understand what he's trying to say here. And then as you get a little older, we think, ah, ain't no big deal. I can handle him. We know that devil ain't going, he's not prowling around. We, we know he's not going to, you know, come pounce on us and try to scratch our eyeballs out and all that kind of stuff. And I think, this is just me speaking here, I think we have done ourselves an injustice by sort of putting it aside and not recognizing the fact that the enemy really is prowling around seeking whom he may devour. And he'll use anybody and anything to get you. You say, Brother Dan, you're trying to scare me. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to make you be aware of the fact that we, we are living in a day and time that enemy is real. Satan is real. Satan is real. God is real. He's real. And it's the love that push aside the evil one. It's the love that we have that God shows us how to take care of those things. And Peter tells us here, be, be, be alert. Have self-control. Be alert. And especially today, now listen to me, especially today with technology as it is, at any given time, I'm telling you, at any given time, you could be on your internet, on your phone or your iPad or your desktop or whatever, you, whatever you may be on, and, and something will drop that you didn't even call up. And so you're left, you're faced there with the decision, do I watch this, do I turn this off, do I get rid of this, do I block this, do I not block, you know what I'm saying? We, that's, that's the world that we live in. And now you're living in a time where you have people that when you get online, they're trying to search you out. They're trying to search our young people out. They're trying to confuse young girls and young boys. Oh, come, come, come with me and come and do this. Everything is nice. I've got toys. I've got, I've got candy, all these things. Say, Pastor, does that really go? Yeah, it's happening every day. We've got sex traffickers every day, even in our city. That's, that things that's taking place. And we sit in our shell sometimes, and we don't recognize this fact when we got crime and we got all this stuff that's happening all around us. And that's why I was saying we need to pray and plead the blood of Jesus over our communities, over our families, and to be alert, be self-controlled, because the enemy is prowling around. Satan is out to destroy us any way that he can. Out to destroy us any way that he can. And we don't need to be, we don't need to be surprised by what he's doing. We don't need to be surprised by what the enemy is doing in our world today. We don't need to be surprised. I was, I was watching a couple of stories. Y'all may have saw some of these stories. I hadn't done a lot of research on them. And so I may just be, this may be a fluke here, but I was doing some research on some of the Hollywood folks of how now we're, we're, we've, got all this, we've got all this gender-friendly stuff that's going on right now. 
and how how now uh, you've got you heard on the news the other day that the uh, Prince Harry and, and Meghan, you know, their baby that they're fixing to have, they're 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 not going to recognize the baby as a boy and a girl. It's going to be gender gender friendly. Okay, you've got that going on. I'm thinking, you know, you're going to know if it's a boy and girl. Say what you want to, but it's going to be a boy or girl. One way or the other, it's going to be a boy or girl. So say say whatever you want to, but that's they're going to recognize gender friendly. You've got some of these other Hollywood stars that's coming up with clothing lines now, putting advertisements on television that uh, uh, that's dressing children. You'll have one of the one of the advertisements I was seeing. They went into a a baby ward, and you had you had females on one side, you had males on the other side, and and they walk in and blow some kind of magic dust, and all of these the boys and the girls disappeared, and now they have these gender friendly. Uh, uh, whatever on their on their suits on their on their what do you call them what's the babies wear now sleepers there you go sleepers yeah so they have these things all over yeah you have all that going on you have you have things going on where they can they can have babies born now and you can abort the babies and so if they'll do that if, if a baby can be born and, and, and that baby can be aborted who's to say that if a baby is born say, well I didn't want a girl I wanted a boy so I'm gonna kill the baby what's what stop what's the difference what's the difference there and so we're living in this culture and we and, and we don't think sometimes that the devil is not roaming around to devour us trying to destroy and kill mankind trying to destroy this is not the same America that you grew up in it's not it's not the same America that I grew up in. Thank God that we're still living in a free nation. Thank God that we're still able to come to church. But I had another guy, matter of fact, who was this guy, Amy, at that kid, uh, kid me and Charlie. Kid me and Charlie, who was sort of a radical kind of, he's the guy with the beard, with the red, red beard and black, red and white beard. But he made a statement in one of their classes. I wasn't there, but I don't know if somebody shared it with me. He made a statement, and, and, I, and I don't mean to get political here because I'm not, I'm, I'm either way. I don't know whether you like Trump or not. It doesn't matter to me right, but because of the statement I'm fixing to make. But this is the statement that he made. He said, when Trump is out of office, he said, that's when you'll see the persecution of Christians openly and publicly. That's when you'll see it. Now, whether he's right or not, I don't know. But the concept of what he's saying, I believe. I believe. There's, got, we, there's a standard that you and I, that we're trying to, to hold up. There's a wall that we're trying to hold up. But everywhere, everywhere that you see, even this last election, how in the world in the United States did we elect two individuals from Muslim that has a Muslim background and they didn't they couldn't put their hand on the Bible to get to, to get sworn in they had to put it on a Quran how, how did we get there in America now I'm not I'm not saying that we can't minister to Muslim I thought what that's not what I'm talking about but we our, our culture is shifting the love that we have, and we still have to have the love we still have to share the gospel we still have to be open to everybody right I can't close as a pastor. I'm not going to close our front door just because you don't look like me. Our doors is open to anybody and everybody. We want to share the love of Jesus with anybody and everybody, right? We've got to. That's what Jesus teaches us. But don't be surprised in our world that we know that the devil is roaming around and he's changing hearts and he's changing thoughts and he's changing minds of people where it makes no sense whatsoever anymore it makes no sense makes no sense i read this about it there's a 44 year old woman who was booked 
uh, with second-degree battery after, after uh, pouring a, a pot of boiling grits. Sounds like a Medea thing on her sleeping boyfriend. All right? So they arrested her. Second-degree burns on this man's face and, and, and arms. And so the man told deputies he came home from work. November 7th, got in an argument with his, with his girlfriend, told her he was breaking up with her and went to bed. That's the first mistake right there. First mistake, getting in an argument. First mistake was having a girlfriend instead of a wife that you had moved in with. Amen. <laughs> Second mistake was don't go home and argue with her. Third mistake, don't go to bed after you argue, after you tell her you're going to break up with her. And she got mad and she boiled a pot of hot grits and threw it on him. All right. December 10th, 2009, police arrest a man who allegedly assaulted his wife when she refused to help him shovel snow. It's true stuff. Officers said they went to the residence early one Wednesday afternoon after the 44-year-old woman said her husband struck her in the head and attempted to pull her out of the house. She complained of pain in her leg, pain in her head, refused medical treatment. She had been quarreling with this 45-year-old husband because he had accused her of being lazy around the house. Now, this is some good marriage counseling stuff right here, too. You know, you've got to be careful, guys, with grits and a shovel. <laughs> grits and shovel. Be careful. If, if your wife goes disappearing and you've got a bowl of hot grits on the stove, you better get out of the house go to Walmart. Get some flyers. You've got to better do something. All right, but these are, the, these are just two little simple little stories that I'm telling you, but stuff like this and, and much worse is happening every day all around us. Every day. I don't mean to keep bringing this up, but the, but the man, the, the brother that shot his brother and his, and, and his wife, they got in an argument over the order of fast food. What is a life worth anymore? What do we value anymore? Life used to mean something. What we stood for used to mean something. Used to mean something. And there, there's far worse things happening in our world. None of them is funny. You talk about murder and rape and abuse and crimes and child rape and sex trafficking and on and on we could go. And when we read about some of these things, I, I, I read about some of these and watch some of these news reports and I get, I get angry. I get mad at times. How can a mama take a little a baby uh, and, and put a baby in a trash can? and leave it in, in cold weather below free. How can they do that? How can you do that? How can you let a baby be born and then decide to kill the baby? How, how do you do that? I, I, don't, I don't understand how you do that. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what's evil. It says cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. Every one of us should hate what is evil. We should, we should be abhorred by evil, the Bible said. We should loathe evil, not like it. And so I've heard it said and, and, and believe it that if we don't have any hatred for evil, then we also won't have any passion for the things that's good. If we're, if we're, just, if we're just here on earth and kesara, sarah, whatever will be, will be, and we don't, you know, what, you know, just do whatever you want to. Go kill somebody, go rape somebody, go whatever, you know, it's all right. And if we don't have no passion for that, then we're not going to have no passion for the things that are good either. We've lost who we are as far as a, 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 a people. Uh, and so we've, we've got to be careful with that. In the Old Testament, you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 19. You remember the story. Some of you may not, may not remember this, but let me, just, let me just remind you. In that story of Genesis chapter 19, the men, of, the men of Sodom, the men of Sodom wanted to have sex with the angels of God. 
You remember that in the story? Wanted to have sex with the men, with the angels of God. And Lot protected them. Lot protected them. We know the story that the angels struck those evil men with blindness. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 12, the Bible says two men, or the angels said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anybody else in the city who belongs to you. If you do, get them out. Get them out of here. Because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that, it, that he has sent us to destroy it. Now, this is the, this is the thought I'm, I'm thinking. If God did that because of the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he destroyed the place, what's going to happen to America? Are we not there? We're there. We're there. Thousands upon thousands, thousands upon thousands of babies being aborted every day. We're living in a day where, 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 where the little word sex that God gave us we have, we have obscured that little word so much that we don't even have a clue anymore. We don't, we don't know. Yet God says you've got to love, you've got to love, and we know that, but this is, this is the world that we live in. God destroyed it. You know the story. God rained a fire and brimstone on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and wiped them out. Go get them, God. But my prayer is now, brother Adam, Lord, come quick. Come quick, because you're going to have to apologize to America if, if you've if, if done that to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because that's where we are today. That's where we are. God hates evil. God hates sin. He hates sin. And yet in our world today, we glorify sodomy. We glorify homosexuality. We call it a different lifestyle. God still calls it perverted. I'm not trying to be ugly. We love mankind. We love our brothers and sisters. We love men and women. Even in that lifestyle, we love them, but we're trying to teach them the right, the truth of the gospel. The truth. We must continue to do that. Don't turn your nose and don't turn your back on somebody that's living a perverted lifestyle. They need help. They need, the, they need what you've got. They need to be shown the truth. And so it ought to be obvious that when, when even though that we're, we're to hate evil, we're to love the sinner. If, if we don't do that, then how can, we, how can we do any good whatsoever? How can we do any good whatsoever? The Bible still is true that God is not willing that any. He still meant that. God knew 2019 was going to be here when he said that. He's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should go to hell. He's not willing that any, any be, like, be, be with the enemy. He's willing, he, he wants everybody saved. Amen. Theodore Roosevelt said one time, the times are evil. He said, that is, there is much evil in them. It would be to our shame and discredit if we failed to recognize the evil. This is Theodore Roosevelt said this. If we wrap ourselves in a foolish optimism and fail to war with heart and strength against the evil, it would be equally, equally to our discredit if we declined to strive for good because we feared the strength of evil. We must love the good, love the sinner, and hate the sin. Hate the sin. Hate the sin. There was a, in closing tonight, um, there was a foreigner came upon a, uh, an African who was, and this is sort of funny, but it sort of speaks to us, who was reading the Bible. The foreigner talked to the African and said, hey, that book is out of date in my country. 
the African that was born there and raised in that particular country replied. He said, well, if it, ha if it had been out of date in our country, you'd have been eaten a long time ago. <laughs> but because the Word tells us to love one another, I ain't going to eat you. <laughs> I'm going to let you go. So we know then that the Word of God can speak truth to us. The Word of God can tell us what we need to do. And can I, can I tell you this? And I know that you'll agree with me. At least I hope you agree with me. This book here is never out of date. It's never out of date. It's still alive. It's still fresh. It's still telling us things and doing things and speaking to our hearts all the time. All the time. I thought I was fixing to have to pray for you a while ago, Matt. Twisting that neck so far. Man, you scared me there for a minute. Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God is what gives us the message of salvation. The Word of God teaches us how to live. The Word of God shows us what righteousness is all about. The Word of God shows us what love is all about. And the Word, even from the beginning, said that we need to love God, hate the sin, love the sinner, love God, honor Him, honor Him, and, and tell the good news of Jesus Christ no matter where we go. Isn't it amazing? We talked about this. I've already made a couple of statements about a brother killing a brother. But it happened way back in Genesis. Still going on. The enemy's still having the, having the same story, telling the same lies, same, same thing going on. God had to deal with it from his very first family that was created. And we're still dealing with, deal, dealing with it today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We honor you and we bless you, Jesus. Lord, we know, according to your word, that we, we have to love, we need to love. We know, God, that if we don't do that, then evil will take over. The enemy will come in. And he'll rob us. He'll destroy us. He'll take us out if he can. That's his ultimate goal. But God, we know that love, perfect love, cast out fear, cast out the enemy, it casts out all the things that, we, that we, don't, we, we don't need to partake of through your love. I'm so thankful to know that according to your word that your son brought love to us. He showed us what love was all about. Love hung on the cross. Love shed his blood. Love gave us life and gave it to us more abundantly. Help us, O oh God, to see that. Open our eyes tonight, O oh God. Open our eyes to things that's going on all around us. Help us to love like we've never loved before. Put people in our path that we can love. Put people in our path that we can share Jesus with. Put people in our path, oh God, that we can snatch them out of hell. Help us, oh God. Help us in the name of Jesus. Amen.